they let us be on the field all the time, right? Winning matters, you have to be on the field to play, right? So the civil affairs teams engage every day here in the northern tier, which is, you know, which has the most return on investment for us because these, these countries have the most room to grow compared to, say, something like Colombia or, uh, or Brazil. So I think that's where, uh, you know, they, they let us be engaged every day, which is something With Tesla Government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. Hi, and welcome to the 1CA Podcast. I'm your host, John McElligot. The 1CA Podcast is brought to you by the Civil Affairs Association. Our two guests today are U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Uherka. He is the Director of Civil Military Operations for Joint Task Force Bravo, Soto Cano Air Base, Honduras. In this capacity, he oversees and coordinates directorate staff, as well as five geographically separated civil affairs teams across the northern tier of Central America. He is a graduate of Southern Illinois University, Go Salukis, and began his career as an officer in the infantry. As a civil affairs officer, he has experience in the Indo-Pacific, African, and South American regions. Other guest is U.S. Army Colonel Steve Barry. He is commander of Joint Task Force Bravo, Sotokano Air Base, Honduras. He's responsible for a joint staff of nearly 1,200 soldiers, sailors, Marines, and civilians who coordinate and execute operations, activities, and investments for U.S. Southern Command in Central and South America. Colonel Barry is a graduate of West Point and Ohio State University, or should I say, sir, the Ohio State University, holding a Ph.D. in history. He's an armor officer by trade and a self-described huge fan and public supporter of civil affairs operations. Gentlemen, welcome to the 1CA podcast. Thanks for having us, John. Appreciate it, John. So we want to talk today about uh, JTF Bravo and the civil affairs company, but frame for listeners first what Joint Task Force Bravo uh, normally deals with. So uh, my first question to you, gentlemen, is what is the mission of Joint Task Force Bravo? Our mission is to, um, you know, conduct operation activities and investments across uh, mainly Central America. Uh, that's that's the focus of our joint operating area. Uh, we also are a contingency response force uh, for Southcom. So we're forward positioned uh, here at Sotocano and prepared uh, to deploy out of this airfield uh, wherever uh, wherever they need us. Uh, so we uh, are uh, operation activities and investments center around uh, global health engagements, uh, civil affairs, and uh, security cooperation. Uh, so that's generally what we do in a, in a nutshell. Roger. And what would you say is your joint operations area? Sure. It's, uh, so CENTAM, as we call it, so Central America is from the border of uh, Guatemala and Mexico, uh, all the way down to uh, the border of Panama and Colombia. Uh, and so that, that is where we focus most of our most of our efforts, and then we are we are on tap though to episodically go uh, throughout the Southcom air responsibility uh, as needed, which obviously would include uh, most of the Caribbean and, and South America. But we mainly focus from Panama to Guatemala. Roger. So, in connecting this to civil affairs, how would you say that civil affairs teams help to support JTF Bravo in the approach to, for example, countering illicit operations? Yeah, John, this is Jeffrey Herka. So, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, the National Defense 
University's uh, National Strategic Study published a uh, report on called From Gang, MS-13, from, from Gang to Community Embedded Transnational Armed Group. And the, uh, the, the premise of the article is that uh, MS-13 has gone from a street gang in Central America to a competing governance capability to the governments in, in, in the northern tier. So a competing shadow governance, a competing shadow economy, and even a competing security uh, a force capability. And so how civil affairs looks at it is almost like a foreign internal defense, kind of like a counterinsurgency type of framework where we are doing operations, actions, and investments that bolster the uh, key partners within key named areas of interest that have uh, populations that are heavily influenced by these transnational criminal organizations. So the idea is to help the, the legitimate government be legitimized and build that trust of the populace. So they call the police, and so they, uh, uh, they, they participate in, and help the government in order to take away the influence, disrupt the influence, isolate the influence of the transnational criminal organizations, N- namely here in, in Honduras, MS-13. Uh, sir, would you say working by, with, and through the host country, but also any local um, indigenous organizations? Are, are there, uh, for example, Guatemalan NGOs and other organizations that are non-governmental through which you work as well? Absolutely. So, and you hit it well. So, you know, corruption is a huge problem in Central America, or at least the perception of corruption. Um, and so you, we see it at the higher levels of government, um, it's increased corruption. So at the lowest level, at the mayor level, at the local business level, that's where we have the, have the best results. And uh, Central America is, is saturated with uh, non-governmental organizations. And so wherever there's that shared uh, objectives, uh, we definitely partner with them. A, a, a key um, a key initiative is the, is the Denton Act um, in which NGOs that are vetted by USAID help transport humanitarian aid through Central America, coming from a space-safe flights from Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. All right. So that means American aid coming through USAID flying into country uh, from Charleston, and then they need to be local organizations that are pre-vetted that we trust, I guess, right, to be able to transport this stuff to get it to the right people. That's right. That's right. So they're vetted by um, the USAID in Honduras or whatever country the final destination is. Um, and then we facilitate them coming in the Soto Cano uh, air base, picking up the cargo, and then transporting it. In fact, we just did a, a story from, from Cradle to Grave of, of the Denton Act of, you know, as it lands here in, in Soto Cano, and then we kind of trace it as it moves to the NGO and then the NGO to the hospital and then the hospital to the actual patient that that HA um, is, is actually being used for. That's very cool. And sir, would you say that the the CA teams involved with some of these operations, are they comprised, since you're a joint task force, is it Army and Marine Corps personnel? Or since most CA personnel are Army, is it active only, for example, the 98th CA Battalion, or do you have reserve forces that rotate through as well? So it's, it's all Army, and I am the only regular Army civil affairs. So it's, it's all, we are taking all reserve uh, personnel with a short mobilization, we're bringing them here to Soto Cano, uh, onboarding them. We have strong communication before they actually leave. We actually even go to their validation exercise. Uh, so that, that relationship starts maybe 60 days before they get here. Um, then we onboard them. 
uh, and then we uh, we push them uh, so they're persistently engaged, similar to um, an active duty like the 98. They're persist- persistently engaged in, in key locations across the northern tier. Roger. You're in Honduras, Spanish-speaking country. Does that require that the personnel you receive speak Spanish, or can they speak English and get a translator? Yeah, it's always, it's, as you're probably aware, a civil affairs officer, it's always better to, to be able to speak Spanish. So every team has a fluent speaker, and then multiple teams have at least a, a, a 2-2, so a fluent and then a 2-2 on the defense language um, proficiency test. And so, uh, but the... the there are some that do not speak any, and so that, that is a challenge we have, getting reservists who have a, have a day job and, and are doing um, other things nine, ten months of the year. And so an initiative to kind of overcome that is a program through Southcom where we uh, allocate money so that they, within the city that they are living in, um, whether it's Tegucigalpa or anywhere in, uh, in, in, in Central America, a, a immersion program where uh, like a civil affairs NCO who has no Spanish training will pay for them to do immersion training out of their team house. In fact, some of them are even doing it now via VTC because of the COVID threat. They're doing it, you know, virtually. Uh, but if they're spending four to six hours a day uh, for about a month just focusing on their language so that they can conduct civil engagement at a higher level. That's such a good resource. Gentlemen, how would you say that uh, American interagency partners or regional partners and NGOs interact with the CA teams, and what's the value added of having CA teams uh, on the ground interacting with these partners? Yeah, so what one of the initiatives here in, in Honduras, and it's, it's actually through the northern tier, but Honduras is a, uh, a good example. It's called the place-based strategy, and so it's a it's civil affairs partnering with USCID and then INL. INL is the uh, Bureau of International Narcotics and Law Enforcement. And so th- this place-based strategy, we meet every other week, and the idea is how can we surge our capabilities and resources under shared objectives? So the integrated country strategy for the northern tier is slightly different, but we, there are shared, there's a shared objective. So, you know, their number, you know, one, two, and three priorities is stopping the impetus for uh, migration, countering corruption, and then also stimulating the economy. But all those things also help us counter TCO influence. And so we find locations that are uh, within our named areas of interest and within their focus areas, and then we layer our capabilities together. Uh, an example is in uh, San Pedro Sula in the Rivera Hernandez neighborhood. It's a uh, MS-13 stronghold. And so USID with the deeper pockets, they have an initiative where they, within this neighborhood, work with the Ministry of Education and actually built an, a school. But then the civil affairs, uh, working with the local police, you know, use humanitarian assistance program or HAP to create a security fence around the uh, school so that kids can come in and out without the gang influence. And then an NFE or non-federal agency or NGO provided funding for the actual computers that go into the school. So a layered response uh, capability to counter TCOs for us, but then it also uh, stops the impetus for migration for Department of State. Uh, it's all part of the place-based strategy. It's good to hear that it works. Folks, you've been listening to an interview of the 1CA podcast with Army Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Uherka and Army Colonel Steve Barry. We're talking with Joint Task Force Bravo and Civil Affairs Forces down in that area in Honduras. After the break, we'll speak with the gentleman about exercises in which the CA teams were employed and what makes CA teams successful in JTF Bravo. We'll be right back.
Everywhere you look, there's a barrage of emails and information telling you what everybody has done, is doing, or plans to do, all in excruciating detail. But access is only half the battle. You also need information presented in a usable form. But that takes work, and the more information you have, the more work it takes. Tesla government takes on these issues so that your office or agency can fully exploit the data you already have. Our knowledge management experts organize and curate your internal data. Our open source research augments your knowledge base with strategic insights from our globally experienced team. And our data visualization turns complex data into compelling visuals, while our community building makes sure everyone benefits by leveraging collective knowledge. With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. Welcome back to the 1CA podcast and our guest today from Joint Task Force Bravo. Gentlemen, let's discuss the exercises in which CA teams were employed. These include exercise Mercury in Panama. This was in December of 2019 and exercise Vita in Colombia in March of 2020. Starting with Mercury, could you describe the concept and tell people how it played out? Sure. So the, the overall concept is, so Joint Task Force Bravo is Southcom's dynamic force employment, so we can go wherever they used to go. So our our tools at our disposal, you know, we have our, our command control, our civil affairs, our helicopters, uh, you know, our security forces, and uh, you know, our, our medical assets. And so we figured, how can we operationalize all these assets uh, to build our partnerships, strengthen our partnerships uh, across the region? So Mercury, uh, so really. We have about uh, the ability to do these exercises a year because during hurricane season we're sort of on call to respond to the, those, those contingencies. So our goal is to do two of these a year. So our first one was in Panama, Mercury. And uh, that concept uh, was to go to the Darien region, which is the southern portion of Panama, right next to uh, Colombia. And we uh, deployed most of our helicopter battalion and a, a portion of our of our civil affairs planning team that makes up our uh, makes up part of our, uh, our our task force headquarters, what we call the SSAT, the Situation Awareness Team. And so the goal was to self-deploy out of uh, Sotocano down to Panama, go to a remote region in the Darien, and then we actually uh, you know went through a full command post exercise uh, in a scenario where the Darien flooded and how we would respond uh, in partnership with COPECO, which is their disaster response, FEMA equivalent down there, and other NGOs, uh, and how we would deploy our tactical, our CAT teams uh, throughout the region to help, uh, help, help bring relief. So that was the concept to really test our command and control capability on a steer location and, uh, and work with our Panamanian partners in, in a steer location. And then we evolved that to, uh, you know, Vita in Colombia, where we brought uh, a fourth of the task force uh, down down to Colombia. The, the goal of that was to go to a uh, La Guajira, which is a very remote region in Colombia with an indigenous population. And so our goal was to bring global health engagements, medical readiness exercise, and sur surgery exercises to those regions. Uh, and also establishes uh, a CMOC, it's the military operations center, uh, so we could work with uh, their FEMA equivalent and, and, and other NGOs uh, in that region uh, 
they would go in and help uh, facilitate these medical exercises and also uh, also uh, donate uh, humanitarian assistance program supplies uh, to each of the uh, four villages we focused on uh, in this remote region. Uh, in addition, they helped uh, donate uh, some key uh, surgery equipment to uh, to a local hospital. We operated out of a Colombian uh, army base right near the Venezuelan border. Uh, you know, and the civil affairs are really our, I mean, they're our key, you know, contact layer, so to speak, with uh, anywhere we go. And so, even though they're a recent addition to JKF Bravo, it's hard to imagine conducting any one of these exercises with, without that component. So, I'll let Jeff add anything on to that. Yeah, another uh, unique uh, situation with Colombia versus the northern tier in Central America is the northern tier. A civil affairs officer in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador are it's an additional duty. But in Colombia, they have their own professional full-time. It's a new capability, but they have their own civil affairs force. So it gave us an opportunity to, to work with their, their, version, their civil affairs, assess their ability, assess our interoperability, and determine, like, going forward, uh, how can we improve that capability? So initiate the relationship and initiate an assessment of Colombian civil affairs, which we are very impressed. Gentlemen, thank you. Uh, Colonel Barry, for what you described and what was expected and some of the things delivered, was it what you expected? And what did you learn from the CA forces who were employed in those exercises? Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with exercise needed that the response we got from collectively from the Colombians, whether they're military or civil organizations, uh, it was overwhelming the support and willingness to help us pull off this exercise. And uh, the civil affairs component to that, whether it's Jeff as J9 or our, uh, our, uh, our CAT teams, I mean, they, they were a key linkage. Uh, that constantly stay engaged with, with the Colombian civil civil affairs forces, but really, really, uh, you know, the rest of the uh, civilian populace and help coordinate, uh, whether it's a hat donation or the medical exercise. So, you down here in this part of the world, obviously, it's much different than other AORs like CENTCOM, where we do a lot of uh, indirectly uh, counter, uh, you know, external state actors or uh, transnational criminal organizations and the civil affairs, you know. I see the value every day here in the northern tier, but during a, a short exercise like that, they really help set the stage and uh, create the excitement with our partner and willingness to support us. So I think that's my biggest takeaway from, from watching them work. Uh, and really, it was a, a strange environment for them. You know, they, you know, they, you know they're, they're, not, they're not persistently in Columbia, our team, so they did quickly learn who the players were and, and really deliver results. So I, I was pleasantly surprised by that. That's great news. And Colonel America, based on what had happened in uh, Colombia and that country standing up some of their own CA forces, do you think that's a concept that would catch on? Do you think some of their neighbors would adopt CA as well? So that's a great point. And with Colombia being such a strong partner to uh, Southcom, that, that is a, a conversation we, we are bringing up with them is, how about we bring their civil affairs to the northern tier for um, a training exercise so they can see the value of a full-time professional civil affairs unit. So, um, yeah, how can we influence the Colombians to export their civil affairs to the northern tier? Um, and, yeah, that's a great point. It's something that we are following up on. Good deal. Colonel Barry, you mentioned something earlier about the uh, SSAT, 
Southcom Situational Assess Team. Could you talk about what an SAT is, uh, what's its mission, and how does it how does CA support that function? Yeah, so, so Southcom has three of these teams, and so, so do other command commands. Really, what it is, think of it as a scalable operations center. So, we at any one time. We had 17 of our officers and NCOs on a 24-hour string to deploy out of Sotocano to go anywhere South County needs us. So we can put on the ground a, a, a cross-functional team that can immediately set up communications and start to establish relationships uh, wherever they need to go, whether responding to a disaster or some other crisis. Uh, you know, you can, you can imagine what, what, what those could be. And so the civil affairs is a key component to that. In fact, the leader of, of our of our SAT team is a civil affairs officer, and you know we, we see you know that as being the core of, of the SAT team is the civil affairs component because anywhere we have to go, we have to first establish maps for the human terrain, the organizations we're going to have to work with. So it's really a, a team inside of our. So imagine my staff's about 100 people. So the SAT is, is a part of that staff that is ready to go. Uh, and so we pick, you know, our, our power players to do that. And uh, they, they, can, they can, you know, land in the helicopter or C-130, get out, set up communications, and start to build a situational awareness for us so we can deploy the rest of the task force and obviously keep, uh, keep Southcom informed. General, I have two more questions for you today. And they're sort of tied together. Why do you think CA teams are successful in JTF Bravo? What what do they have that uh, that makes them stand out? And what are some of the characteristics of the teams, the cats who have been successful in these rotations? Hey, John, great question. I, I think we can answer that in, in, in two in two ways. One, civil affairs complements the the mission, the Southcom mission here in the northern tier and our interagency's integrated country strategies in the, in the northern tier. So as I stated earlier, our, our approach, our framework to countering TCO is the indirect approach of strengthening our partnerships. And that also um, it provides shared objectives with USAID, Department of State, and then INL. So uh, the mission state complements. But then also Joint Task Force Bravo, the, the, capability, the core organic capabilities here complement civil affairs. So we have our own uh, combat support hospital, and so they do medical readiness exercises, and so we integrate with them in the medical readiness exercises. We set the conditions so key influencers are part of that exercise. When they, you know, leave, you know, they leave the installation, they go to specific locations that have TCO influence. Uh, we also have the 228 uh, Aviation Battalion, and that can power project us to areas where uh, we couldn't go otherwise. Uh, we have a very talented PAO section that, that helps with our tactical and operational messaging. We have engineers that help us out with, so water insecurity is a, a huge problem in the northern tier. And so they help infrastructure wells um, to provide, uh, you know, indigenous approach options to water insecurity. And so just the uh, overall capabilities within Joint Task Force Bravo complement the civil affairs capability. I would add to that that, uh, you know, they they let us be on the field all the time, right? Winning matters, and you have to be on the field to play, right? So the civil affairs teams engage every day here in the northern tier, which is, you know, which has the most return on investment for us because these, these countries have the most room to grow compared to, say, something like Colombia or, uh, or Brazil. So I think that's where, uh, you know, they, they let us be engaged every day, which is something we couldn't do before. 
And gentlemen, uh, my last question for you, do you have any parting recommendations for the CA forces listening about how they should train to be prepared for operating at this high level at which JTF Bravo currently operates? And uh, what skills should the CA forces hone to be ready for adversaries, uh, the people that you're battling in different ways? Yeah, John, great question. So, uh, for, first of all, the, the the civil, there was, you know, why reserve civil affairs is value added, and uh, and and the answer is their civilian jobs. So, we have civil affairs team members that um, work for USAID. They're advisors for Congress. Uh, we have an FBI agent. We have lawyers, and so we're able to use all these skills and and apply it to building, strengthening partnerships, and 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 countering threats. So it's that that unique skill set that we cannot get in the, in the regular army. But, you know, I, I would have to say uh, special operations, truth number one is humans are more important than hardware. And so the most important thing is studying the operational environment. So knowing the language, um, knowing the, the socioeconomic and political history of the area, um, understanding, you know, political and economic warfare and, and how to, like, operationalize the political and economic variable because our our opponents are doing it so we have to understand it as well and then i would say in regards to civil reconnaissance and civil information management having network you know a network kind of uh, perspective so you know it's you're, you're you're looking at building friendly networks that can then defeat enemy networks and uh you know being able to identify key influencers and then engage them and influence them. So, you know, negotiation skills, influential skills. And then in order to reduce the risk of force, uh, what we're seeing is that, you know, the, the highest risk here in the northern tier is, is, is driving because you know, they're doing engagements in austere rural locations that are undergoverned. So having training that focuses on vehicle rollover accident and the medic's got to treat the patient, someone's got to drive the vehicle, and someone's calling the surgeon on you know, the medications as they're moving to a casualty location. So, you know, collective drivers, medical training in order to reduce the risk of force are some of the key uh, training aspects. Yeah, I would reemphasize that, the, you know, what keeps me up at night is these four-man, you know, cat teams we have that are alone and unafraid sometimes in these cities where there's high crime rates and bad drivers, and we ask them to do a lot uh, to set the stage for us. So individuals sort of taking that ownership of have I done everything I can to be ready before I deploy. You know, we obviously, you know, the reserves make up the bulk of our civil affairs force and a lot of the ownership uh, the onus is on that individual to be ready to go. Uh, so I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with what uh, Jeff just said so we can keep the risk down and keep these guys uh, you know, active uh, throughout the JOA. Exactly. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. Uh, our guests today have been Army Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Uherka and Army Colonel Steve Barry. They're with Joint Task Force Bravo, and today we've been talking about JTF Bravo and the connection to civil affairs. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the 1CA Podcast. Our pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Check out the Civil Affairs Call for Issue Papers. The deadline to submit a paper is August 28th. Civil Affairs can find better integration as a force for influence, collaboration, and competition for convergent threats and challenges for multi-domain and information operations, now called Joint All-Domain Operations. As the nation's warrior diplomats, the CA Corps must modernize especially for gray zone competition and foster a learning organization. 
It must reinforce supported command understanding of CA core competencies and capabilities at tactical and operational levels. It must seize opportunities to be a greater force for influence through national strategic initiatives like the Stabilization Assistance Review and the Global Engagement Center. And it must help build an industrial base in applied social sciences and related technologies. The Civil Affairs Association and its partners invite civil military professionals to submit originally written issue papers. The deadline is August 28th. For more information, including paper guidelines, visit civilaffairs, all one word, assoc.org. Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory.